0: Welcome to another episode of Saints and Sinners Unplugged. I am Pastor Ken Jones, and I am joined by our regular hosts. And this time, we actually have a full crew. We have Pastor Aldo Leon, Pastor Jose Prado, and Pastor David Menendez. Aldo's been away from us here recently, but it's good to have him back. Today, we're going to continue our discussion, which is kind of connected with two things that we've been addressing over these last several weeks. On the one hand, we've talked about Luther's theology of the cross versus a theology of glory. And the point that's that was made there is that the gospel focuses on the glory of God in the person and work of Christ— and the means of, of coming to embrace that gospel is not in spectacular ways, but rather it focuses on God's grace rather than human ability. In Luther's thought, anything that seeks to promote the ability uh, of man would be a theology of glory. Would that be a good assessment?
1: Absolutely.
0: And so the theology of the cross is is that man is reconciled to God not by external works that we have done, but by embracing God's grace, mercy, and love as it is portrayed in Christ crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. The need to die, the need that that there is nothing good um, as it relates to God in fallen man, And so if man is to be reconciled to God, it is by way of the cross. And through that cross, obviously, the wrath of God is displayed, and it's by receiving Christ as one substitute that one is therefore uh, reconciled to God. Hence, a theology of the cross rather than a theology of glory that speaks of human ability and human accomplishment. Now, on the flip side of that, in our last series of broadcasts, we talked about the theology of of the cross, as Luther emphasized it, is also anchored in what he called the hiddenness of God. And David, in fact, you want to talk about the two ways in which uh, Luther used um, the idea of God being hidden um, and and the way in which we have talked about it. Yeah, basically, uh, the the message of the cross— is where
1: God hides himself. So therefore, so, grace is revealed right. through God
0: being hidden.
1: C- correct. It, he, he is hidden. And then to be found, it takes revelation Yes, for someone to discover God. It's just a revelation that comes through faith. And that faith has as the object a message, the message of the gospel,
0: which is the cross. And that is hidden. And that's a, that's in contrast to another way in which Luther spoke of God being hidden, and that is not in terms of what he has revealed, but God in and of himself being unknowable to the natural mind. Right. So in that sense, he says that God is not, the, the Bible is not the revelation of the totality of God. But rather, God is there is more to him than is revealed in Scripture. That's that's a whole different argument, a whole different way of of using that term. So as we are using it, it's in the way that you've mentioned, David, that God is the glory of God. The power of God is hidden in the person of Christ. A in in terms of the incarnation that the word becomes flesh. I love that that statement in John's Gospel. Mm -hmm. And not only is he hidden, and, and in the birth of Jesus, that's the dynamic thing of, of celebrating the Advent, that when we talk about the birth of Jesus, we're talking about the eternal Son of God condescending, being clothed in human flesh, crying like a baby. The, ba- the, the God who needs nothing is now dependent upon humans in, in, in his human form. So that is God hidden, and there is no greater revelation of God than what is seen in that baby who grows up to be a man who therefore dies in our place and is raised by the power of God. I mean, that, there's something <laughs> magical about that.
2: I mean, and it, and it certainly blows our mind. It's, well, it's, it's it's both magical and to the common man is foolishness.
0: Exactly. That's the point. Yes, Yes, it's, it's foolishness, as Paul says uh, to the Corinthians. That message is foolishness to, our, to the fallen mind. But in talking about God hidden, it's the message of the gospel is also a means by which God is, is hidden. The message of the gospel is not a spectacular thing unless you understand the dynamics Mm. of the of god becoming flesh right Uh, but it's not it's not through spectacular things that god is revealed now one of the things that we've a point that we've made over the last several weeks is how we as evangelicals are always suckers for theology of glory Mm. well one of the reasons that we are always suckers for a theology of glory, and being suckers for a theology of glory, we tend to miss the places in which God has revealed himself as we look for different experiences with God. And I would argue that part of that reason is because of a faulty anthropology. In other words, a faulty doctrine of man. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, um, when you say a false anthropology is, a false understanding of who truly man is, you know, before God. And I think we minimize our fallenness, uh, our, our fallen nature. We minimize it. Uh, and therefore, uh, we think that we are able to see God or know God, uh, in ways that we can produce ourselves.
0: And do you think that at some point we minimize the degree of our fallen or corrupt nature and that we think that we are okay and like the rich young ruler, who's always a good example of these sorts of things, when he wants to know, how can I inherit the kingdom? And Jesus says, well, what does the law say? And he says, you know, I've kept it from my youth, my youth up. Right. And isn't that what Jesus does throughout the course of his earthly ministry is show people who think they have or can keep the law that they haven't and can't. The difference between a theology of glory and a theology of the cross is that the, the a theology of glory says show it show it to me and I'll do it, right? I can accomplish it, yeah. right? Whereas the theology yeah. of the cross is is really being brought to that point of saying I haven't and I can't. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: that's right. Which is really the message of all of Scripture. Uh, I think as we as we look at all of Scripture, what we see is uh, fallen men over and over needing. Uh, a savior, needing needing something outside of himself to be able to accomplish or to save, uh, to be able to keep the law. And and that's, I mean, that's the message of, of the whole scriptures. Yeah, would,
1: would you also say that um, the reason it becomes so perhaps misleading or tricky is that part of the scripture, uh, the biblical record does speak in a glorious way, it, it sort of entices sinners, not entices, but... Instead of calls or demands of sinners mm-hmm. to do and to perform, sure. Um, so interestingly, what what do sinners do with that? They they just go immediately by way of the law <coughs> to relate to God mm-hmm. because they read it in the words of Scripture. I mean, they say, you know, if you do these things, I'm going to bless you. Right, And if you don't, I'm going to curse you. So what would be the logical conclusion minus we got to really get this taken care of? We've got to do this. We've got to perform, obey God.
0: Oh, right? I, I think people that— People read that. They that read that in the, right
1: in the pages of Scripture. That,
0: that, is, that mm. is definitely— So I've been developing
1: <laughs> lately sort of a compassion for it no, I, <laughs> in a way. But what I'm saying is, you know, I, I could see how people are easily— misled in reading the bible obviously that's why we're talking about the hiddenness of god the hiddenness of the gospel but Mm. i want to just look Mm -hmm. at
0: at what is it that that causes us to see human ability yeah Yeah. where just because there is a command and and that sure the logic of what you're saying is something that goes all the way back to not just the Armenians or, or the Wesleyans, mm-hmm. the whole idea that God would not require of us anything that we are not able to do. Right. And so when we see a command of Scripture that that innately says what we are able to do, yeah. which, of course, that's not what the, uh, mm-hmm. what we understand about the Scriptures. The Scriptures tell us uh, what we are to do because everything that God commands of us in our fallen nature, which we're not able to do, Adam could do before he fell. So right. therefore, understanding the covenantal and uh, representative nature of the, of the scriptures, then we understand that God sees us, even as Paul says, mm. the second man. So we may not be very good Christians, but we're very good Adam-like.
1: Yes. <laughs> in yeah. a way. Yeah. We're trying to follow in the footsteps of Adam. That's what we know. That's the inheritance exactly. that we bring.
0: and mm. And... I think a misuse of the law is to assume that in our fallen nature, if you show us the right roadmap, give us the right formulas, we'll be able to yeah. do yeah. what the scriptures tell us to do, mm. hence a theology of glory. Because it's, it's, yeah. it's emphasizing Absolutely. human ability accomplishing the divine command.
3: I think uh, that's kind of what you see um, in Babel come let us let us make and come let us build and this idea that through human innovation we can ascend right to god but god's solution is to come down in judgment you know yeah is that interesting <laughs> not just in babel but in the cross he comes down in judgment and well, then yeah. yeah every time he always needs to come down in mm. judgment and we're always trying to build ourselves up in affirmation and in some sort of way and it it's very dangerous because it's clothed in, I think, a sense of legitimacy. It's like, you know, I want to yeah. be a better person. I want right. to be a better citizen. Yeah. I want to
0: be. Well, but, even going back to Babel, yeah. what, their, their goal was yeah. that we would become one. Yeah. And yeah. unity always <laughs> sounds
1: good. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Well, you hear that today a lot. Yeah. You know, the spirit of the enemy is always trying to. You know, bring disunity, and then this 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 emphasis placed on unity. Yes, but the substance is missing. Unity around what? Is it's unity around you know? Because yeah. unity for its own sake, I mean, we could, I'm sure, hell is all united.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> in <what's> some way. <laughs> street gangs give you that kind of unity. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: I think we think that sin is just a lower level of functioning, a diminished capacity to to, to, to live in a certain way. Um, and we don't see it as a legal issue right so it's like so we think I, I, I'm a sinner my problem is is that I have a lower capacity for life so the solution is to be energized or remade to have right. a higher capacity of life but you have a legal issue you have a a unfavorable verdict that it doesn't matter how you live you still live under that verdict because you you, you have that relationship to Um, to our father, Adam. And so you could live really well, you could live better, but you still, I mean, it's almost like someone coming out of a a courtroom, uh, you know, or coming into a sentencing hearing and telling the judge, look, I have been totally remade new. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Um, everything about me when I got sentenced has now, you know, got, got, you know, I came in this courtroom has changed and it's like, well, it doesn't matter. You still have a guilty (laughs) verdict. But, 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 but um, that that must, but in addition to that, your head you know? but
0: but, but, in addition to that, I think to that your point, I, I think that's part of the faulty anthropology that makes us suckers for a theology of glory. But, to your point, we don't recognize the judicial charge against yeah. us, our our condemnation, but I think also with that faulty anthropology, we don't we, we we people will acknowledge that well, I know morally I'm not all that I should be. and I think we have a diminished view of how immoral we are as well. I, I think it's it's both. I, yeah. I think we yeah. b- because we don't necessarily carry yeah. out every immoral sure. deed that we are capable of, yeah. that I think as Jeremiah says, right. that our hearts yeah. have deceived us, sure into thinking that we're not as immoral as we are. Yeah. And the reason for the judicial indictment against us is because of our immorality.
1: It boils down then to basic categories, then the category of the
0: law, just getting the law. Yeah. But I, and
1: Paul <clears throat> says in Romans chapter seven, you know, I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Yeah, So that's where God wants to take us. To that point, anthropological, where he took Paul, he took him to the point of death. Mm-hmm. But that's not where it seems like today's evangelical message is taking people; He's taking them to life, and, but and, not through death. But you,
3: you, know, you, you brought up something interesting because mm-hmm. th- this is something I've I've actually talked about before, and I've heard people say we're we're guilty be- we're guilty because we have a sinful nature. But isn't our, isn't death the result of the legal guilt that we share in Adam? So, consequentially, to what Adam did through one sin, one transgression, sure. death came. And so, it's almost like, I guess it goes both ways, but in a yeah, real sense. Yeah, it's not either
0: or, and that's you know, what we're saying. It's not it's, either or. It's yeah. c-
3: It's it's consequentially. Um, he, so he, y- you he, have a legal issue. Right. Which is manifested in your sinful nature, but your your biggest problem is not that you have a sinful nature. That doesn't, I, I, th- it doesn't seem that when I when I read Adam when I read Romans five, mm-hmm. it seems that our biggest issue is that we, when Adam sinned, we sinned in Adam, and then right. consequentially, all these other things happened. Right. So I guess I guess here, here's a, if. If I'm guilty because I have a sin nature, um, then the logical reverse of that is, okay, if I get a righteous nature, exactly. then I will get a well, a, a, a pardon.
0: That's that's right? if you're not connected representatively. Right. Those Sim- are the, yeah, the that's categories. The, that yeah, I, I think it's all three of those kind of hang together. Not, they're not
1: understanding those, those biblical yeah. concepts. And, and one of the things, you know, and it all... Ties together, because if you understand the law correctly, mm-hmm. you know then that subjectively you're not going to be able to stand legally rightful before God under the law, under your own subjective performance. Right. So it's if you understand the law, then you know then um, you're not going to be able to stand by any transformational process yeah. Yeah. to be able to be accepted by god yeah. because your sinful nature will be with you always well, the way i tell even <laughs> even even at the point of the 10th commandment mm-hmm. where it forbids covetousness you know thou shall not mm-hmm. commit adultery and then thou shall not desire to commit adultery right mm-hmm. well guess what those sinful desires are going to be with us always to unto our death right that will never change what do you do what does god do with something that never changes in us yeah and the answer to that is he forgives it well he covers it the thing is that
2: the thing is that the way the gospel is preached today um we would never acknowledge or people would never acknowledge that that never changes
1: that is exactly right. And so what yes. they would
2: what they would the way the yep. gospel's preached yep. today is the gospel's good news because Jesus Christ came, yep. forgave everything you've done up to date. Right. Right. And now you have a clean slate. Right. And now you have the Holy Spirit right. new no. nature. New nature. In which now mm-hmm. theology of glory. Yeah. In which now you yep. can live your life right. according to the way now, God is. Now has let, called let, you
0: to. let me go back to why mm. that that is faulty. And it connects all three of the elements that we've talked about in terms of morality and legal or judicial guilt and representative headship. Because when we talk about our sins being purged, the slate being cleaned, also, representatively, there is righteousness. Mm -hmm. So what is, and, and people forget this as it relates to the gospel message. The good news of the gospel is not just that Jesus died to pay the penalty for my sins, but the good news of the gospel is that he who died also lived for my righteousness. <clears throat> and it is that righteousness as we often talk yep. about that 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 alien righteousness that is imputed to us. We are being made new, we have been declared righteous, and when we the state of glorification is when we are in essence and 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 uh, totality yeah. everything that God has declared us to be and everything that Jesus yeah. is but both of those are are necessary that he lived for my righteousness and therefore my immorality is is covered by his morality yeah.
1: but the way it, it it gets uh framed today and taught um and you know I guess demanded of people in order to stand before God is that he lived for your righteousness, but that is your personal, subjective, transformational righteousness. And even though we understand that there will be transformation (laughs) and fruit of the Spirit and definitely change, that is not how we stand before God.
3: Yeah, And, and it goes back to that. Our biggest issue is not that we do sinful things. Our biggest issue is that we're united to Adam. Yeah. On the flip side, our greatest hope is not that we do righteous things. is that we're united to the last Adam. And because we're united to the mm-hmm. last Adam, then you have a new verdict. Then you have a new nature. It, it really comes down to who represents you being most fundamentally definitive of, of your unfavorable state or, or favorable state. And I think that's something that's missing from um, our understanding of 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 sin or, or righteousness or salvation or damnation is that we kind of have that because we're, we're so influenced by radical individualism, mm-hmm. everything that's bad about us really comes down to us as individuals and everything good about us really comes down as individuals and we don't have this framework of um, who represents us and who we exist in as being.
0: And and, and to that point, that's, that's where I, I think our faulty anthropology plays itself out at all levels of mm-hmm. our theology. Yeah. If we're just thinking if if I just this goes back to the moral reformers at the time of the Protestant Reformation. Oh, well, yeah, the church does. We agree with you, Brother Luther, that the church does need to be cleaned. You know, it's we've got all kinds of immorality. And, and, and Luther says, well, that's not the real issue. That, that's right. that's a problem. But that's not the real issue. The real issue is the message. You guys are not proclaiming a message of grace right. because if you if you fix the, the the morals good luck on that by the way if it's going to be perfectly and completely fixed then that still doesn't change the fact that at the time of the 16th century they had drifted from the gospel of grace and the <coughs> and and therefore what the the bible really defines as faith faith being attached to uh, the message about God's uh, salvation through His Son. And so I think a faulty anthropology and next week we'll probably talk about how that plays itself out in, in, in terms of our sanctification and in terms of our churchmanship, this, this, this high this overly high view of our natural condition. That all we need is a formula, a plan, and we'll do it. And all we need is this area tweaked in my life. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah one of the ways also that I've seen it uh, be misleading and you know tricky to the folks when they hear, well, you've got you've got to embrace the whole gospel, the whole Jesus, and the whole gospel is not just you know the objective sacrificial substitutionary death and righteousness of Christ, but it's also the empowering to live uh, a good life and a life of good works. That is all mm. the gospel.
3: Yeah, I think that's that's where it comes down to.
1: And this is particularly from reform camps. That's yeah. where we yeah. hear well, that it's, a
3: lot. It's, and, it's, it's distinguishing us uh, the gospel and things consequential. Right. Or even things that accompany the gospel.
1: Where, uh, where it becomes also like, like it was then during the Middle Ages and up to the time of the Reformation. And then forgiveness is incidental and only to support the main thing. And the main thing is your process of justification, mm. mind you. Mm. Your process of justification, yeah. your transformational process. Wow. And forgiveness just
3: allows for that. Yeah, that's, and, that's the, and that, that's, that, 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 that starts always. starts with Augustine, Yeah, I feel like.
0: yeah unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and that, that always leads us back to self. And anytime self is exalted, it diminishes the excellence and the sufficiency of what God himself has supplied. Um, we're going to continue this, and if we kind of backtracked a little bit early on, it was to bring us up to speed. This is not just an academic discussion. This is this is very, very practical. This is how we hear, when we hear the Bible expounded, whether it's through word, whether it's through singing, whether however it is. This is where we live. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on Saints and Sinners Unplugged.